everyone. Welcome to the Slice of Healthcare podcast. I'm your host, Jared Taylor. Today, I'm here with Dr. Joel Diamond, the Chief Medical Officer at To Be Precise. How are you today? Excellent. Nice to be with you today, Jared. I'm excited to chat. I, I think we should dive right into it since we like to keep these short and sweet for the audience so they can consume as, as much as possible. If uh, you could tell the audience a little bit about yourself, and then we can go into a little bit about the why, how, what of To Be Precise, we'll, we'll start our, our conversation today. Perfect. I'm Joel Diamond. I'm the Chief Medical Officer for To Be Precise. Uh, on my uh, day job, I'm a family practitioner. I've been practicing family medicine for about 30 years in Western Pennsylvania. I'm involved in medical uh, informatics uh, for a good deal of that career as well. Uh, to Be Precise was a company we founded to solve some uh, IT problems and information problems associated with this expanding field of precision medicine. And in a nutshell, what we do is we acquire data from multiple genetic and other laboratory sources. Today, most of that data is coming back as a PDF or um, on paper somewhere that's going into a folder that's labeled other. And we've sort of gone backwards in terms of information technology um, because most of that data is not represented discreetly in the electronic um, record. So we're acquiring that data in real time as discrete data. We're also in near real time collecting clinical data and putting this in a combined uh, hybrid uh, data model that we call a cross-clinical omics repository. And at the same time, we're hooked up to ever-changing knowledge sources, rec recognizing that this precision, precision medicine field is moving ahead so very, very rapidly. Being able to then do the real hard part is injecting that knowledge at the point of care, regardless of what venue that user is working in, whether it's Epic or Cerner or Allscripts, it doesn't really matter in the context of what we're, they're doing, either making recommendations and clinical decision support or vice versa, having clinical conditions um, look at existing ge genetic data and new knowledge to be able to inform them as well. Now, when, when we think of uh, drug gene testing, can you talk us through why it plays such a large role in pediatric care uh, in particular? Sure. So it certainly does across the board. And adverse drug reactions is a problem, um, whether we're talking pediatrics or uh, adult medicine. The implications clearly for um, pediatrics uh, play a much uh, bigger role. I would also say that we um, have less tolerance for potential drug gene interactions in the pediatric population. Why? If I look at an area like behavioral uh, behavior medicine, um, the time from diagnosis to correct treatment of a condition like depression is important in all age groups, but I would say that in the pediatric, pediatric population, it's even more of a time crunch. We have, uh, as we look at the crisis in terms of uh, teen suicides, how children do in school, et cetera, we've really got to condense that time frame down um, considerably. There's other implications too. Um, with this, as we look at other pediatric diseases, whether they're rare diseases or otherwise, um, the time to treat is often dependent on getting the right genetic diagnosis and getting the right genetic profile for treating them with medications. And can you talk us through, and I, I know I'm focusing on pediatrics, but it's definitely, um, I think, I've been reading more about just the, the focus in on that space. I feel like we always hear about a lot of the other spaces within healthcare, but even more so maybe now where there's more startups coming up in the pediatric space, right? Can you talk us through the risks associated with failing to implement within the, the pediatric population? 
Sure. And, and there's a couple of them um, right now. Um, one of them, we can go back a while. Um, we've eliminated um, in certain care, certain classes of drugs for both good and bad. But some of them we've done a, with a, a very broad brush. An example of that is it's rare to use codeine as an analgesic in the pediatric population because of a high rate of adverse drug reactions. Most of those happened in patients that were susceptible from a pharmacogenomic standpoint. And that's an example of a drug that we probably didn't need to eliminate altogether if we properly found the right candidates to use that. Now, I'll get away from the whole issue of using opiates, et cetera. But if we look in lots of other areas, we can look at the neonatal ICU um, and the time it takes for patients, particularly with seizure disorders, to get on the first, second, sometimes seventh line drug in order to control those seizures. Um, reducing the time in the NICU is an example of, uh, of where the cost savings are just immense. A single day in the NICU more than justifies um, the cost of, of these drugs. And then as we start looking across disciplines, a lot of times we haven't considered the effects of pharmacogenomics on more efficiently um, treating pediatric heart disease, et cetera. I still maintain in the area of behavioral health, this is probably the, the biggest impact for organizations. Uh, now, and, and I don't want to sound like a broken record continuing to focus in on this, but that was, you know, one of the reasons we can hopefully have you on again to talk about some of the other areas and some other topics, but this was really a pediatric focus. So thank you for, for being cool with, with my questions related to, to that space. Not a problem. Uh, so could we talk a little bit about the financial benefits of genetic testing within pediatrics? Sure. Um, there's a couple of them. You know, I'll start again because it's near and dear to my heart as a family practitioner in the behavioral um, health area here. Um, first of all, if we just look at the normal cycle of um, prescribing a drug, waiting for it to work four to six weeks, um, then w adjusting the dose, waiting, adjusting the dose again, maybe changing, maybe adding a second drug, and then adding a third line drug. As we move through that progression, now we're getting into more expensive drugs. We're looking at prior authorizations. We're looking at more utilization of healthcare services, um, et cetera. So that's sort of a, a no-brainer in terms of the cost of medicines, the number of visits, um, et cetera, let alone the most important part is the social implications um, of that. Um, on the other hand, too, you know, I mentioned this um, seizure treatment as an example of, well, if we look in hospitalized patients, clearly getting to the right drug um, at the right time is important. And then overall, and again, focusing on that pediatric population, adverse drug reactions, there is plenty of data in terms of um, where that adds to the cost of medicine on many, many levels. And doing the not so fine tuning, some of the coarse tuning around picking the, the right drug the first time, um, or certainly the second time and avoiding adverse drug reactions, um, this is the time we've hit that point where pharmacogenomics, as an example, needs to be part of that paradigm. And how, how could failing to acknowledge like drug gene interactions, how could that continue to like increase care costs and staff use over time? Yeah, sure. So we spend a lot of money on a lot of quality initiatives um, today. Um, whether they involve rare diseases, as an example, or they involve relatively common things. Um, and again, behavioral health is an example of that. 
Um, hospitals and health systems and health plans spend a lot of money in the area of some of these chronic disease management um, areas um, today. And a lot of those costs can be taken out by really making sure that we're using uh, the right drug. The idea of using a trial and error method to pick a medication, whether it's for heart disease or whether it's for attention deficit disorder, um, et cetera, um, those days really have to be over with um, right now. Um, they make no sense from a financial standpoint, and they certainly make no sense from just how we practice good quality um, medicine today. And, and real quick, uh, Dr. Diamond, what is next for To Be Precise that you can share? Well, a couple of things. One is, and I, one thing I'd like to add to the, to the last question, which I probably should have, which is, you know, the cost of doing this test continues to come down at such an uh, amazing rate. And we're talking about in the pediatric population, doing a test once, perhaps, and then extrapolating that over the cost of a lifetime, which we don't do in almost any other laboratory test today. And the idea of um, starting at, at the beginning of a child's journey or their genetic odyssey if they have um, medical problems um, and extrapolating those costs really um, gets into this. In the pediatric pharmacogenomic space where um, we are right now is expanding uh, uh, a lot of our offering in, in a couple specialty areas. One is identifying populations. Um, one of them would be an example of treatment-resistant um, depression. The other one is expanding not just the drug-gene interactions, but the drug-drug gene interactions. And those are often much more complex, and they're much harder to express at the point of care um, with a physician. So enhancing clinical decision support is another tool that we're doing, as well as um, looking into doing some more population health management around medications as well. Uh, well, Dr. Diamond, I want to thank you for answering every single one of my questions perfectly. And very, you were also, you were concise. You gave the audience exactly what they wanted to hear. So I appreciate that. I know that seems like a, it, it is a big thing because th that doesn't always happen. So Really, really appreciate you and uh, everything you and the To Be Precise team are, are continuing to build. Hopefully, we can have you and other members of the team on in the near future, and we can talk about uh, some things other than just the focus on uh, on pediatrics, because I know it, it goes much more broadly than that. But I do think our audience, and even some of our, our past guests, right, that have been in the pediatric space, we had Urgent Care that focused on pediatrics, telehealth that focused on pediatrics. They're going to love uh, to tune into this episode as well. So thank you so much. Great. Thank you very much. It's been a pleasure.